Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. This will be the fourth message in the series that I'm calling Thrive and Prosper. You know, and I'm sure it's been personally, I'm sure it's been affected by just what we're going through personally, but it's when I had the idea for this series, it stayed on track because what I know is that God is seeking to lead you and guide you into blessing. Jesus said that when the Spirit of the living God takes up residence within you, what He will do is lead you and guide you in all truth, specifically God's truth. What God wants is what, how He originally created. He wants you to experience the fruit and the blessing of life with Him. He wants you to live in such a way that's honoring to His ways. Really, it's just live. He wants you to live on this earth according to the owner's manual. And we talked about that last week, upright, in righteousness, stuff like that. Not to earn favor or earn blessing or earn righteousness, but because when you live that way, it teaches, it just, your mind is tuned and your heart is tuned to God's voice because that is how He will lead you along the path of the upright and the path of the righteous. And to find His path, you live that way and it teaches your heart how to live. So behavior matters, but it doesn't do anything for you to earn anything from God. It just teaches you how to think. And when you think like Him, you will hear Him. Amen? And so to thrive and prosper, to experience life and blessing and abundance in Him, in His kingdom, because that's what He wants. It's His good pleasure to give us the kingdom. We don't have to convince Him to bless us Really, it's the opposite. What we need to do is keep from choking out His blessing. The Word is planted in our heart. And what we do is we choke out His Word from bearing fruit in our lives. When you think that way and you're locked in, you're very limited in your thinking. And it will lead you to carnality, which leads you to death. Carnal thinking meaning, I'm on my own, I'm in my own strength, God's not helping me. And whether the God factor is in that particular mindset or not, it still leads to death because it leads to physical strength, which wears out. You know, I love the picture that God revealed of Himself before Moses when He called Moses and He was in a burning bush. And the bush was burning. And it's clear to say this, the bush was on fire, but it was not being consumed. Like the bush itself was burning, but, it was, but the bush wasn't burning of its own energy. As we know, you set anything on fire that will burn, and what causes it to burn is the energy within it exhausts as it burns, but it burns away. But here's a bush burning, but it's not being consumed. That is what life with God is like. You're on fire. You are burning. You have an energy, but you yourself are not being consumed. You're not burning of your own strength and of your own energy. There is a way to live with God in the flow where you are experiencing the power of His grace in every area and you just stay at peace and you just enjoy the journey. Difficult things happen. Absolutely, the world is broken. It's heartbreaking. Tragedy. You know, this guy that just killed himself in his prison cell or, you know, probably something else happened that was arrested for 
trafficking young girls and all this stuff. I mean, you think about that. You think about those girls' lives. And even worse than that, that stuff exists right now. That kind of thing is happening right now. You know, you just hate to even think about it. But there's a way that we can live in this earth to allow the kingdom to bear fruit within us. And we carry solutions. You know, we just carry solutions. We carry, we carry the presence of God. We carry the logic of God. We carry the hope of God. And, and you don't have to try to figure out how to convince Him to bless you. We just have to keep our hearts from choking out His voice and the blessing that He is seeking to bear through us. Amen? And today is going to be just one specific area. This is just really straightforward. There's not a whole lot here about, uh, I'm going to talk about finances and generosity. But it's not, any, let's just get going. So this is the series that we're in, Thrive and Prosper. Looking at it from the perspective, the Spirit of God is in me. His kingdom is in me. His word is in me. It is seeking to bear fruit. My job is to keep myself free of distraction. The distractions are uh, the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, all that stuff. All of that stuff is what distracts me from tending the garden of my heart with the word in it to bear fruit. And remember, the word bears fruit this way. It's like a farmer that casts seed in the ground. He goes to sleep, he wakes up, he doesn't know how it works, but it bears fruit after its own kind. You put the word in there. We're really emphasizing that. Did that just get really loud? Okay. You put the word in there, and it will bear fruit. You want to know how? It's like a seed. It will bear fruit after its own kind. Here's the question. What are you putting in there? What are you allowing to focus on? That, that is the secret of Christianity. It works like a seed because the kingdom is in you. Amen? So let's talk about that a little bit. First week we talked about examine yourself to find faith, not sin. We walked through that pretty in detail. If, you've, if you're new or you haven't seen those, go back and watch this series. We put everything up on YouTube or our website. The next week, guard against thoughts that plant bad seeds. The idea is put the word in there before you need it because you're going to need it. Last week, discretion will guard your choices. So as you tune your mind, as you renew your mind, as you live in agreement with how God would lead you to leave, uh, live, it tunes your mind to where you can make confident choices and you can trust that the choice that you're making is spirit-led because you've taken the time to cultivate the Word within you, and it removes you from the situation of having to constantly ask God for information. You can make a decision because you've tuned your heart to Him, and you can live an abundant life in, in agreement with Him, not second-guessing every decision you've ever made. Now, the homework for that was read Proverbs daily, not for what to do, but how to think, because when you change how you think, it'll change what you do. This week, not, so here's kind of how all of that came together. And, and going forward as we talk about this, this is where we're going today, being made rich. Being made rich. And it's tied to generosity. Under the new covenant, there is no such thing as tithing. There is no law. There is no penalty for not tithing. There is no penalty for not giving. But if you are not giving, you are probably locked into your own effort and your own earning potential 
because you look at money as if it's something that I can't afford to give away, that reveals your, your relationship with money. Are you with me? It's not a guilt thing. It's, it's a, you know, money is probably one of the easiest ways you can teach yourself to think spiritually because provision is actually a spiritual blessing, not a physical thing that you've earned from trading hours. Now, there are principles, don't work, you don't eat, hand of the diligent is made rich, you don't abandon that stuff. There's still responsibility, but provision is an aspect of the character of God. To live in abundant provision beyond all that you can ask or think, where He meets your needs according to His riches. Are you with me? It's like you change how you think, and you can take money and give away a part of it, and it's not because you're putting yourself in a position where, you're, okay, well, if I give this money away, I'm going to have to trust God. That's, that's kind of not the right attitude. It should be more tuning your heart to say, I'm going to give this away to show God and show myself. No, I don't trust in money. I'm changing how I think about provision. I'm changing how I think about the facet of God that Jesus told me, God knows your needs before you ever even ask. It is His good pleasure to give you His kingdom. He values you more than flowers and birds. You are more valuable to God than flowers and birds. And He provides for them freely and abundantly. He wants to provide for you because He values you and loves you. Go back and read Matthew 6. So homework 1A. Go read Matthew, really 5, 6, 7, and, and look at it. And, and get, you know... Get the element out of it that what Jesus is trying to do is communicate to you, look, God cares about you. He loves you. He's for you. He wants you to live in this kingdom. Don't you know how valuable you are? He wants to provide for you. It's just who He is. So that's the mindset, right? And man, have we done some weird things when we talk about money in church. Making all these promises, you give on the seventh day of the seventh season and this and that and blow the horn and this. It's like, man, what? What are you talking about? You have to have been in church for a long time for that kind of thing to make sense to you. You were following me? You were there? You were ready to write that seventh tide seeds, whatever? I don't even know. So let me, let me kind of give this thought there's two slides here. Read through these, and then we'll look at some passages. Uh, you do what you want to do, good or bad. Nobody's making you do anything. The devil ain't making you do anything. You do what you want to do. Are you telling? I don't want the sin in my life. Yeah, you do. You wouldn't do it if you didn't. You may not, have, you may not know how to get out of it. There may be an addiction there that drives compulsory behavior. There may be those factors. However, if you didn't want to do it, you'd do whatever it took to not do it. When Paul in, in Romans 7 says, I do that which I don't want to do, and that which I want to do, I don't do, he's talking about before he was born again when he was under the law. Plain and simple. You do what you want to do, good or bad. You can change your desires as you renew your mind. You renew your mind by internalizing and personalizing identity, God's Word. Which parts of His Word? Whichever parts relate to your situation. Planting and watering God's Word through meditation will result in transformation. The book of Proverbs is one of the most practical ways to renew your mind 
in God's knowledge and wisdom. You just start to shift how you think about things, just reading through it. Very simple, practical stuff. So many times in Proverbs, you read something and it's like, this will add long years to your life. And it's being kind to people or how you manage money or working or being honest or something like that, you know? We're not talking about being good citizens. We're not talking about necessarily behavior, but what we're talking about, see, because all of that outward stuff reflects what's in, in you. And we're focusing on, on what's, what's in you. Amen? So, being made rich, new covenant generosity. Let's just look at how finances and money are looked at. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then He will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. And that meant something to them back then. Whatever, it, However that relates to us now, it translates. Are you with me? But the principle is... Honor Him with your wealth, with the best part of everything you produce. Just looking at how the Bible talks about it. One gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds what is right, only to become poor. This is Jesus. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd, putting their money into the temple treasury, and he said, many, uh, so many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth of only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, and he's just wanting to change how they see money. It's a heart thing. He was always trying to bring them back to you. It's, it's, it's a matter of what's going on in you. That's what's important. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They, gave, they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Now, he's addressing the heart issue. Unfortunately, well-meaning preachers, or maybe not so well-meaning, have jumped into what should be an internal heart adjustment lesson and extrapolated external behaviors from it. you got to give sacrificially, Give till it hurts. <laughs> really? Is that, I don't think that's what he's saying. I mean, sacrificial giving is what he's talking about. But it's not that... that I heard a preacher one time. Can I just say this? He, God, his daughter got healed. Praise God. But he directly tied it to the fact that he said he gave a million-dollar offering to another ministry and his daughter got healed as a result. You want to know what probably really happened? Probably what really happened is this. The fact that he gave a million dollars put his heart in a place where he became confident to expect the blessing and the healing, and then he received it. Do you see the difference? That, it doesn't matter if he gave a dollar. He could have not given a penny and just made that internal shift and become confident that that was his. But for some reason, given that money, he's like, all right, bless God. This blessing is mine. It's a heart issue. <clears throat> Here's an interesting thing. You know, I, I didn't even, I kind of forgot this was even in there, honestly, as I was studying for this. And I like this translation. 1 Corinthians 16, starting in verse 1. Now, about, I didn't read, there's people listening, they're like, what's he reading? That last one was Mark 12, 41. The one before that was Proverbs 3, 9, and Proverbs eleven twenty four. 
And so now we're at 1 Corinthians 16. Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to, churches to do. Okay, so that tells us a lot right there. There's kind of a popular mindset out there that says that church is pagan, the way that we do church, and it's not, you know, it's not, it's not early church to have buildings and gather collectively and church an organization to collect money and do things that it does. Now we're going to talk about what should be done. But this is Paul. And, and then the next verse we're going to read, you're going to see where he's talking to the Corinthians and he's addressing the church in uh, uh, is it Macedonia that he's using as an example to say, they're doing this, now I want you to do this. Very clearly, now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up. So, that, so in keeping with your income means budgeting well, managing your money properly. You with me? Dave Ramsey. <laughs> you should set aside a sum of your money and notice a sum. So there's nothing magical about the 10%. Tithe means 10%. Under the old covenant, you probably actually gave between 20 and 40% of your income because you gave a certain amount. You had to buy the offerings, and depending on how much you messed up, you had to buy more offerings, right? So you were given a lot of your money for atonement. I mean, and that's what it was for. I mean, it was to support the ministry also back then, support the priesthood, for the priesthood to be able to afford what they needed to facilitate what God, how God wanted them to structure and organize and execute ministry under that covenant, right? It's different now. We don't have that sacrificial system where a, a system needs to be supported as your covering. Hello? You don't support this ministry as your covering. The Spirit of the living God in you is your covering. But he gives clear instruction, new covenant, set aside a sum of your money according to your income. What works for you? 1%? 15%? I don't know. You, we'll get there. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So in other words, he shows up and they're all like, oh man, I don't know, you know. That's what he's addressing. And he's giving them instruction on how to, he's trying to help them. Then when I, and he fully expected them to give. Pretty evident, right? No, no curse associated with it and no promised blessing of a shared reward or any of that stuff. It's just, look, this, we got work to do here. You should manage your finances this way to support what we're doing, all right? So then when I arrive, I, gave, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. So he's the business of ministry. He's just explaining to him, this is what we're doing. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. And then he kind of goes on. And he touches on it again a little bit later. And then here is, the, there's three more slides out of 2 Corinthians um, 9. If you want to really kind of look at this full exposition of what he's talking about here. Look at 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. So go read those and understand what he's talking about. It might take you about three or four reads in the beginning to understand he's talking about who, what, who, where, who, when. But he's talking about churches of Acacia that are doing this type of thing. 
He's talking to the Corinthian church that he wants them to begin to do what the Macedonian churches are doing. And, he, and apparently there was a conversation and letters passed that, he, that Paul would come to this church in Corinth and a, and, a, and a gigantic offering would have been received because they were supposed to be managing their finances in such a way to collect it. Now, the reason they were collecting it is several fold. One, you see in 1 Timothy where Paul talks about those that teach and preach and the elders are worthy of hire. They, uh, you don't muzzle the ox while they're treading out the corn. You support those people that are doing that type of stuff. Amen, right? Part of my income comes from, from that. You know, I have other things that I do as well. So there is the model under the new covenant of supporting those that teach the word. So that's there. That's part of it. The biggest part of it is take, taking care of one another, taking care of the poor, taking care of the widows, meeting the needs of the people. Now, here's my opinion. And, and really, Paul says this is my opinion as well. When he's talking about these types of things, he's like, this is not a commandment, this is my opinion. Here's what I think about it. And then he goes on to it. And I'm going to read that in just a minute. Uh, so what they, were, they would collect the money and they were taking care of each other. Now, you do have the model of the church in Jerusalem and I think mostly because they were the most persecuted in the beginning because of the Roman influence and also the Pharisee influence, it was hard for them to live within that society. So they shared their possessions, they shared their wealth, they shared, and it was like communism in a good way, almost. You know, they, they took care of each other, right? That's great. However, later on you see where they had to take up a huge offering from outside the Jerusalem church to come in and help those people because it didn't work long term. That's just observation. That's not stated specifically that their shared community failed, but it did because they needed help from the outside. And then it changed where they didn't do that. So I think the model is this. This is why every believer should be part of a church. Because what you, it's kind of like, I love what um, uh, MediShare is doing, the, the, the medical coverage Christian organization. You give to it, and they have a board that decides, we're going to help this people, we're going to help these people take care of their medical expenses. We have, we're going to help these people. There are people that we know that are part of it. They needed a benefit. They, and, the, and, the, and they, this is not an advertisement for MediShare, it's just an example. They actually, paid for more than they were obligated to pay for, right? Okay, so to me, that's the model. A church this size, no one should be destitute and in poverty and not be able to eat and have their basic needs met if they're part of a body like this and everyone is giving. Because what happens is there's plenty available to help those in need in this community and then if there's abundance outside this community, that's how I see it. And that's what we do. And that's why I encourage people, if you're struggling, let us know. I mean, you'd be surprised how, how much we actually help people. A lot. Can I get an amen, Adam? Amen. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm, I'm serious about that. And, you know, you have the randoms that roll up and they knock on the door and they're working their, they're working their circuits, you know, going to hitting the churches. We help people like that sometimes, too, we pray. But that's why I think every believer needs to be part of a local body because you give 
and then you are supported as you are part of that body. That's why you should, as he said, take aside part of your income and give. And then if it's thriving and if there's a lot of abundance and people start really experiencing generosity and wealth and provision, then you can do some other stuff. You know, you go get a building that affords you to do some really cool things to be community serviced. You know, it's not, I'm not anti-buildings. I'm not a big fan of going and taking a big old loan out to try to do something. But, you know, this, this, so this is just kind of how I see it. If every person that calls this place, that has an income, that calls this place their home church gave a sum of money on a regular basis, there wouldn't be one need in this body that wouldn't be met. And we would be able to do amazing things outside of this body, as we really already are, but tenfold. Amen. 2 Corinthians 9, going to start in verse 6. Now this I say, so we're shaping how we see money, we're shaping how we see provision, we're shaping how we see how it relates within a church, right? Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Bottom line, that is a reality. That is a heart statement. That is not a karma statement. And that is not a spiritual law that God recognizes and honors and gives to you because you've given more statement. You can't work God that way. This is a heart statement. This is, a, this is how you work. You want to know how you work? You work like this, because God made you to work like this. You give, you give uh, sow sparingly, reap sparingly. Sow bountifully, reap bountifully. There's a mechanism about seed that teaches your heart how to receive and, and relate to God as provider when you live this way that can't be, it can't be cheapened, it can't be fabricated, it can't be systematized. It's a relational thing. Are you with me? But, it, but it's true. It's a reality. And it is an effect. And I hate that organized Christianity has car made this principle carnal. Each one... Look, look at this. Here's the, I love it. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart. You decide. You and God decide. What's your percentage? Not grudgingly or under compulsion. I don't want to get up here and show you starving babies and play on your emotions. You know what I mean? I could, I could probably sell you really well on why we need a building. I just don't want, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? I'd rather you get serious with God and decide, this is, this is what I'd like to see happen. This is the part that I'm going to play. Each one of you must do just as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Paul says, like, look, man, I love, it's interesting. He ties it. How God sees it too, right? Is he saying God's going to love you more if you give more? He's just showing you this is how God thinks about it. This is what you should do. This is the heart mechanism. And by the way, this is how God thinks about it too. He likes it. God's able to make, and, and so then he, to me, this is not cause and effect. This is, he's just expounding on God's heart towards you. God wants to do this for you. 
So engage in this process of regularly managing your finances to support the work of the ministry. And, and, and then I think he just kind of gets poetic a little bit. Are, do you understand that? It's not cause and effect. It's not like then God this. It's, it's because this is how God sees it. This is who God, God's able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you have an abundance for every good deed, every good deed that you ever want to participate in. There is a way to tune your heart to where you live in such a place where you're able to do that. Same chapter, as it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will... Now, again, I've been saying this for three weeks now. This passage is what we've hinged all this whole series on, and it is directly tied to how you manage your finances, giving specifically for, to support ministry. It's very clear if you just read the whole thing in context. Now he, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality or all generosity, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service, now he's talking about the offering that he's coming to collect is what he's talking about. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. So in other words, we're getting to do a lot of good stuff with this. Because of the proof given by, his ministry, by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the generosity, liberality of your contribution to them and to all. I mean, for us, think about these churches in Kenya that we're getting to bless. Oh, by the way, we just sent George, so Pastor George in Africa, who has two forward churches over there, sent us a message. He needed $80 to print 100 of these little good God books that I wrote. So he's going to a, a pastor's conference, and he wants to give one of those little books to every pastor there and use it as the foundation of bringing them to understand the gospel. So we gave him 90. He needed 80, gave him 90. You know why? Maybe one of y'all gave an extra 10 bucks that day and we had it. While they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you, thanks be to God for His incredible or indescribable gift. You give because God gave to us, right? We got work to do. I don't try to say that we got it all figured out, but we are, pretty un we are a pretty unique voice in this community. There are not a lot of churches even. The, the gospel, you know, people get a hold of this message and they just quit going to church because they're sick of the games. They're sick of the manipulation and the being used and the programs and all that stuff. I'm telling you, the world needs this voice. Not because we got it all figured out, but because of how we're going to represent him and how we're going to manage and how we're going to show other young pastors coming up, you can do church this way. There's a way, there's a way to do church consistent with the gospel that doesn't burden, manipulate. And not all churches are doing that, not even close to all churches. Most of these are great churches. There might be some programs that need to be shifted. There's stuff that we should probably shift. This is not a us and them at all. 
I'm not meaning it that way. I just feel like that where the church is going is back to how the new covenant, how the early church started, but this is how the early church did it. It's generosity. And it's plain and simple, and it speaks for itself, doesn't it? So almost I could really just say amen and be done because that's, that's the reality of it. So I will. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your life. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit in us. We, you know, we don't really understand all of that stuff, but I believe you. I trust that you're telling me the truth when you said that if I sow generously, I will reap. If I sow bountifully, I will reap bountifully. I want to be in a position where I can be generous in every way. I believe in the work of this ministry. I believe in the work of this church. I love the people in this place. I want my support to be to create a safe environment that takes care of one another. I want to be part of that. I thank you for the opportunity to be part of that. And Father, whatever you have for us to do as a body beyond our local taking care of one another and beyond our local... Uh, just nourishing each other and being fed the Word and doing what we do in this building and in our lives locally. God, we just want to take that. We want to give that to You and just watch what You do with it. And we will support it. We will support it. And we trust You. We thank You for the opportunity. In Your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.